Episode 29. On today's show, Steffi presents a new installment of her Mars Hill expose, Mars Attacks. Simone explains the pungent reason Henry VIII's fourth marriage fell apart. And everyone is horrified at where a lost kitten turned up. And now, here are your hosts, Simone Turkington and Stephanie Drury. Yay. All right. Um, how do we open up? Um, you <laughs> say, I've never done it before. You say, hello, Simone. How are you doing? Okay. okay. Have I you never listened this. to our show before? <laughs> What's my motivation here? <laughs> you're, you're excited to see me. Here I am. You've got a lot of Yay! questions. That's your motivation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do I ever. Okay. Hello, Simone. How are you, Dong? I'm Dong very good. How are you, Dong, Stephanie? I'm Dong you very well. Thank you. Excellent. Um, you, you emailed me today, um, and all you said is that you had a story about a nail gun slash obese lady. Oh, no. These are two separate and, stories. <laughs> okay. But that just together sounds amazing. So can I hear maybe the, the nail gun one first? Okay. Well, the nail gun story <laughs> is pretty amazing. This guy was doing work in his house. And he uh, misfired um, the nail gun and he felt like a little little something like he'd grazed his head. So, you know, he sterilized it and cleaned the wound. And he continued working. He plowed, you know, plowed some snow and, you know, finished off his day, went to bed. The next day he was feeling kind of nauseous. So he uh, decided to go to the doctor. And in the process of his examination, they x-rayed him and found that he had shot a three and a half inch nail into his brain. <gasps> and he didn't know! Oh my god. Yeah. And he was walking around and he yeah. woke up and everything. Yeah, yeah. And so... Whoa. Maybe that was um, But yeah, so he uh, he didn't know. I guess the, the why he didn't know about it is because you only have like sensitivity pain receptors like in your in your skin and in your skull but the mm-hmm. brain doesn't have them so that's why he just shot all the way yeah. in and he had no idea but it missed it missed uh, by millimeters uh, the part of the brain that uh, handles his motor function so yeah they got God. it out he was fine he should be dead yeah I know. Well, I guess I guess when people, if if there's a bullet to their brain, the bullet kind of shatters, and that's why it does so much damage. But this was just like it just went boom and just went straight in and just sat there. So yeah, <laughs> like so a I perfect that was, dive, like I a guess. perfect dive exactly. Without a ripple. Like no, exactly, exactly. I love examining the ripples in diving. I don't know why. That's one of the few things I watch in the Olympics is mm-hmm. diving. Do you watch diving? I love diving. Yeah. I love diving and gymnastics, and that's it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I think the I watch the, kind of the swimming because Australia is so good in the swimming that I they always are. Yeah. Cheer for the team. I was going to say root, but that's just so wrong <laughs> in Australia. I just say root. So I can't say that when talking about Australia. Um, some <laughs> other story that I had. Obese lady. So amazing. Obese lady. There's a chance this isn't true, but I just want it to be true so bad. <laughs> yeah. I already Amanda's- do. I haven't heard it yet. 
Yeah, I know. I'm, I was surprised, actually. When I put it down, I was like, surely she's heard this. this how could this not? She not have heard this. Okay. Amanda Simmons, a.k.a. Mandy Mountain of Charleston, West Virginia, weighs 350 kilos. That's 770 pounds. Oh. She says that when her lover went down on her, he found a dead cat. <laughs> Oh, that's double, total double entendre, but yes, continue. <laughs> How, what, yes. M- Mandy had sat on it and the cat had no luck. Says Mandy25, poor little buttons must have suffocated when I rolled over. Buttons. I never even noticed. It wasn't even my kitten. I was looking after him for my neighbors. My boyfriend was going down on me when he shrieked oh and leapt back, God. sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it almost sounds too good to be true. Well, I mean, I feel bad for the kitten. And there's a picture of her, too, so... No, there's not. There is a picture of her. No, there's a picture of her with Um. her hands on her belly, and then there's a small picture of a a kitten that's been just superimposed next to her. (laughs) Yeah, but there's there's an inset picture of her resting her stomach on a table. (laughs) (sighs) And her name is Mandy Mountain. That's her nickname, yeah. Mandy Mountain. So yes, yeah, so that was my Aaron. beast lady story. That's pretty. I want to believe that's true. Yeah, I really, actually, kind of want that. But that's wrong of me. But that's totally. just how I am. So, um, speaking of women for hire of that size, um, Aaron <laughs> Mason sent me because he works at the Cheeseburger Networks. He sees so many amazing pictures and clips, and he, <laughs> I might have forwarded this on on to you. Do you remember um, a picture of like a man on his hands and knees and a woman, like a huge woman, like picking up her stomach and dropping it really hard on his back? No! <laughs> because Aaron sent me that clip. <laughs> it's definitely something I want to see. <laughs> Sounds like something Mandy Mountain would, would accept money for. <laughs> Definitely. Anyway, um, so we have voicemail, and we want you guys to call, and we have a really... <laughs> we got a special number, and it has the word dong in it, so yes. try to memorize it, okay? It's 1-323-301-DONG. 323-301-3664. Very good. For international listeners who have no alphanumerical keyboard. Yes. <laughs> very helpful but yes we'd love to hear from you tell us a story whatever you like um Yay. yes stories or, or stories yeah. are good yeah i like to just play a story and then discuss <laughs> or haiku haiku i don't i i, can't, I don't i i don't like poetry dong haikus though dong haikus but even the, i think there's something about the pacing of poetry it's like my head doesn't process it very well and i feel like i'm mm-hmm. like a dope or something because i don't i don't really yeah. get into poetry but yeah, but well, the thing about poetry is that it's really pretentious so much of the time, and I get really distracted by that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's a couple poets that I really, really like. But yeah, I well, pass them I on totally to me. I'm, I'm definitely open to it. I just there's something yeah about it just doesn't uh, doesn't resonate. And there's this whole thing like is it trying to sound disjointed and you know. I just, yeah, I, I, it doesn't it doesn't work. I need sentences. I need full sentences. <laughs> <laughs> And speaking of which, we were going to talk about some of the books we've been reading lately. What have you been reading? Oh, well, actually, I, um, let me grab it. I've been reading a book of poetry. <laughs> and I never do this. I just Now you must think I'm like, extra stupid. <laughs> no, don't feel stupid because I never do it. And my friend, I'm, I'm just like, I have one book of like E.E. E. Cummings poetry. I have a book of Robert Frost poetry. And that's uh-huh. it. And, um, 
Well, Mary Oliver is kind of cool too. But this person, this is by Hafiz. I think I'm saying that right, but he was a great Sufi master, which is um, a form of, of Islam. And he lived in like 1300s, the same time that Chaucer did. Uh-huh. And my friend had this um, at her house and I picked it up and just kind of looking at it. And I just started crying reading it. Oh. <laughs> and was, so I got from the library and it's just these little, you know, these poems are like a thousand years old and, um, wow. and they're really short and simple. So... Was that translated, good or were you obviously. on the rag? Um, I think I was probably PMSing, so that, I'm sure that helped. But, no, I, the other day, not anywhere, yeah, not PMSing at all. Um, we were getting out of the car for Kote's son's birthday party. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I have to stop crying because I'm reading this poetry. So. Wow. And Judah goes, Mommy, you cry all the time. I'm like, yeah, I know. So I was like, I can't go in there with the just crying. Yeah. So, Gosh. that, um... Hafiz is his name. H-A-F-I-Z. This is the great Sufi master, which reminds me of Simone Dong, the magic person. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Prepare to be amazed. Prepare to be amazed. That should be the Dongtini slogan. Prepare to be amazed. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh. I'm not as confident in that phrase as I was when I was... (laughs) <laughs> it's this lovely confidence. Like, when do we lose that? I, I know. Start, I started to lose it around eight or nine, but I think so. Yeah, I think definitely after um, I went to started, you know, high school. That was the end. Ugh. Ugh. I was in like negative territory in high school. Yeah. But I'm also reading um, the Andy Warhol diaries, oh. which um, are gigantic. I think I tweeted today that they weigh it weighs like forty pounds, and I need a Kindle because. <laughs> I couldn't put it down, and I'm like, I really want to read this on the bus, but it's so huge, so I like got a, a bigger purse to carry. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just to him because he was shot, I think, in 1968, and while he was healing, um, he just like did he recorded his thoughts or whatever happened a certain day, and who came by to see him in the hospital, and it's like Mick Jagger and Elizabeth Taylor, and you know, all he was just obsessed with, you know, beautiful, famous people and glamour and stuff. But it's pretty cool because he. Um, hated pretense, and, and the, he said the worst thing that he could say about somebody is that they think they're an intellectual. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm just, I don't know enough about him, but um, I really like nonfiction, and I like diaries and documentaries yeah, and that sort of thing. So, I'm definitely. super into this, and it's hard to put down. But, that sounds great. Um, what are you reading right now? Well, yes, yeah, so I too am a fan of nonfiction, and I like just learning about about things. And so, what I'm, uh, as I mentioned some time ago, I'd read that book on on Mary Queen of Scots, and since then yeah. I've you know got more of an interest. I've been watching the Tudors, so I've got more of an interest in Tudor history, oh, yeah. uh, as uh, helped by my friend Kristen, who's uh, an expert of sorts. So, sh- um, yeah, I've started reading. The- I was well, I finished it. Uh, this book called The Six Wives of Henry VIII by Alison Weir, and yeah, yeah it's just. You know, everyone knows Henry VIII created the Protestant church and, and divorced wives and beheaded wives, but nobody really knows the details. So it's really interesting to um, to get more of the details. And it just sort of goes, kind of details all of their lives. But my favorite, which I didn't know about until I read this book, was his, his fourth wife was Anne of Cleves. She was a German woman. It was an arranged marriage because he really needed to marry someone to, to produce an, a male heir. He had one, but they were always worried that they're going to die. So, you know, they're like, we've got to hook him up. You know, Jane Zemo, his third wife, died uh, shortly after childbirth. So Everyone said, died okay. back then. <laughs> I know. There was so much just random dying from, you know, consumption and sweating Childbirth sickness and, and all this kind and... of stuff. Exactly. 
Cleves. So anyway, so they hook him up with Anne of Cleves, and his his uh, chief counselor um, uh, Cromwell organized this, and he told the artist that was going to like paint her portrait. It's like he told him to make it look kind of better than it was, <laughs> better than she was. He didn't quite know, but he's like, just make her look good because he wanted to create this alliance with Germany and just thought this was a good political move. So he was doing everything to get this marriage going. So anyway, so she comes all the way out. It's all the they've done the dowry and everything's working out, and uh, they're betrothed. And uh, she comes over to England, and Henry comes to meet her, and he's really polite to her. And then he just can't stand her. He just thinks she's so unattractive and he's like repulsed by her really? so but he has to go hand, uh, through with the marriage because uh because you know they just got too far into it with the with all the betrothal and all that so mm-hmm. the day after their wedding night this is what he said to cromwell oh surely my lord i liked her before not well but now i like her much worse oh my god she is nothing fair and have very evil smells about her <laughs> <laughs> I took her to be no. It's so great. She stunk. She had body odor. So <laughs> I took her to be no maid by reason of the looseness of her breasts and other tokens. <laughs> Which, when I felt them, struck me so to the heart that I had neither will nor courage to prove the rest. I can have none appetite for displeasant airs. I have left her as good a maid as I found her. <laughs> he couldn't fuck her. He couldn't get it up for her. She was so repellent to him. So, oh my God. yeah, it was so funny. And so, and she, and she didn't know anything about sex. So she just thought they were having a nice marriage, and then he would lay next to her and say, "Good night, sweetheart," and "Good morning, sweetheart." And she was kind of talking to her maids, and they realized that they weren't fucking. So mm-hmm. they kind of explained it to her, and she was kind of horrified and didn't want to do that anyway so eventually they they ended up uh, annulling the marriage based on the fact a few reasons but one of them was that the marriage was never consummated so but it was just so funny he couldn't even couldn't even get it up for her and, and he had his doctor when they were trying to get the annulment say that he had indeed had uh, a nocturnal emission so it's not that he was impotent it was just that she was so repellent that he couldn't get it up for her oh my god have to say that in court I know <laughs> legal document. I know I know. So I left I love her as that. good a maid as I found her. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what an insult! But she didn't oh. even realize. But uh, so I finished so that book and I loved it. And then shifting gears, I've moved on to a, a, a Duff McKagan's <laughs> biography. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. So like, was he the guitarist or the bass player? In he's, the bass player. he's the okay, bass okay. player. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just you oh, know. Of course, Slash like, was the guitarist, right? Yes. Yeah, Sla- well, they had two. Slash was the was the lead guitarist, and then Izzy was the rhythm guitarist. Izzy, like, okay. Yeah. So I remember. Yeah, it was just funny. I was like, because I really in, in one in one part of me wanted to read another book about Elizabeth the first. I was like, no, no, no. You've been working on this book for like three weeks. You need to shift gears. <laughs> I, I nice. can't do that, the, uh, the Duff McKagan book. But I'm really enjoying it. But um, but what's interesting is he like really paints himself to. He sounds like well, he's just writing it like he's a nice guy. Like his marriage is falling apart, and he's like, yeah, it was really upsetting, and my life was falling apart. But then he goes on to say in the same sort of yeah, so 
simple tone. This sucks. I know my life is falling apart. He says he he packed his wife's bags and threw her out on Christmas Day. And oh. he's just sort of retreat, reading between the lines. You realize he had to have been a much much bigger asshole than the way he's conveying it. So um, I'm glad I'm at least onto it. But he just oh, yeah. always seemed well, like such a likable, mellow kind of guy, you know. So yeah. uh, so I'm reading yeah. it with that tone. I don't know how much of it I'm projecting, but yeah. He totally had to be an asshole. And he was just doing vodka and cocaine to balance each other out. So he was fucked. So, yeah, that's what I'm reading. So, yeah. (sighs) Can I read it when you're done? Well, it's on my Kindle, so you better get one. It's on the Kindle, so, yeah. Remember we both read the Slash autobiography about the same time, and you're like... Yes, I started reading yours, and then I I, I handed it back. And then then you dropped me off at the airport, and then I bought it at the airport. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Like and you text wait. me and you go, I'm at the part where um, Slash came on Izzy's leg. Oh, no, no, Izzy came on Slash's leg. That, that's that's like that the, on, the only things I remember from that book, re- clearly, is that Izzy, they were both fucking the same girl, and Izzy pulled out and jizzed all over Slash's leg. And he's like, dude, you jizzed on my leg. And then that Slash's wife had a diet pill addiction. Like, those are the only two things I remember. Diet pill addiction. Yeah. But you were telling me about Downton Abbey. Is that how you say it? Yes, it's Downton. Downton. Downton downtown. My, pe- my British friend calls it Downton and makes Downton. no ends, but I like to call it Downtown Abbey because that's what it looks <laughs> like to me at first glance. It sounds real street, like, yeah, Downtown Abbey. I know. Like, downtown <laughs> Julie Brown is what I was thinking of when I first heard it. But it's nothing like that. It's like um, it's a England upper society in the 20s or... In the, in um, the teens. You're farther along than me. In the teens. Yes, I've okay, watched 11 episodes on... in two weeks. I've gone you really? completely obsessed. Yes. I've only so, seen the pilot, but it's Yeah, so you got to keep going. You'll be hooked. Like, that first episode is great, and then every episode uh-huh. after that is amazing. So, yeah, I think from the second one on, you'll be, you'll be totally hooked. But what I really liked is, because when it started, I'm like, why is this an abbey? There's just rich people living here. There's no nuns. And I couldn't understand why and then I even looked it up I'm like what's the definition of Abbey and it, I thought there might be a, another definition but it is still a place where nuns live so um, anyway so I was reading that Henry VIII Wives of Henry VIII book and when he was doing the Reformation and they were um, burning and pillaging all the um monasteries and abbeys they gave a lot of them over to aristocrats so that's why it's an abbey because it's probably left over from that period where uh, where where the the properties were given over to the wealthy and the the upper class people so there you go i learned something i put i put them together it was so exciting when you try to educate yourself and all comes together so i was very happy but yeah (laughs) i highly recommend it and you'll be so into it once you keep going so do report back uh, before we go any further, I wanted to mention uh, we gave out our prizes for the potato salad contest from a few episodes ago. Uh, the prize went to uh, Crystal. Uh, she received a uh, bottle of hand sanitizer that says, <laughs> You might have touched your genitals hand sanitizer. <laughs> no, it's maybe you touched your genitals hand sanitizer. It's a so, possibility that you touch them. Yes. So Please just in case, that's why I want to make sure people have clean. That's what I'm worried about is people touching their genitals. So yeah, so she got that, Seriously. and I haven't given it, sent it yet to uh, to Marilyn. But Marilyn is getting a pen where when you turn it the other way around, the man's pants f- f- come down and you can see his penis. So so <laughs> <laughs> see, listeners, great prizes await if you uh, if you uh, enter our contests. 
<laughs> and also, listen to Laura sent us uh, a picture that she made uh, of uh, oh, yeah. it was it was a Harry Potter inside joke, which I love because I love Harry Potter. I'm a Harry Potter nerd, so thank you, Laura. But it had a picture of Pious Thickness, the Minister of Magic, and the picture of Mark Driscoll, which they called Pious Thickneck, yes. <laughs> the Minister from Mars Hill, and uh, and the picture said. Imperious curse. Yeah, that's got to be the reason for the guy in the right's behavior too, right? So any Harry Potter fan will get that because the Imperious curse is the mind control curse. So yeah, she's trying to justify uh, uh, Mark Driscoll's behavior that he must be under some kind of mind control. Because why else would you be such a fucker, right? Oh my so. gosh, it's total mind control going on over there. Yeah, he's the one doing the mind control. He's not under it. So no, anyway. yeah, he's perpetuating it and he is now you had some well, Mars Hill news Mars attacks so yes yesterday on the blog Jesus needs new PR by Matthew Paul Turner he um, <laughs> posted a two-part um, story about someone here in Seattle who just left Mars Hill Church about a week and a half ago oh wow and Fresh. Yeah, and so it's it's fresh news, and um, it happened around Christmas. He was um, really involved in Mars Hill, the church, and he even worked security. <laughs> As you know, they have security team. Yes. Um, so he apparently was um, sleeping with his fiance <gasps> secretly, right? And um, the fiance is the daughter of an elder on the Mars Hill um, leadership board. The elders mm-hmm. are part of the leaders. Um, but they, they blocked her name out of all the story. They didn't say anything about what happened to her. So I'm, I'm curious about that. But when he confessed to his community group leader, it's a little small group where you get in in groups every week. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, well, he goes, actually, I, I cheated on my fiance and we didn't have sex, but I made out with this other girl and I feel really badly. Uh-huh. And the community group leader like sprung into action and arranged all these meetings for him to have um, <clears throat> with all these other men to kind of like get to uncover the root of his sin mm-hmm. so it came, when they got his fiance in the room for him to you know tell her and for them to hash it out um, it came out they were like well actually we've been sleeping together and then Marcel uh-huh. freaked out Ugh. and um, he, they wrote up a contract for him to um, that they wanted him to sign mm-hmm. and I'm going to start reading from the document sounds great um, <clears throat> it says Mars Hill Church Discipline Contract. The background issue is that Andrew has been sexually involved with another church member, keeping it secret and using deception to cover it up. He was dating courting the woman under false pretense while being an active member, serving and attending community group. The repercussions of Andrew's sin have been widespread, as he is well-connected in the church. Andrew brought his sin to light with a friend and then with his community group leader. As a result, he is under church discipline with the hope and goal of full restoration upon walking in a repentant lifestyle. So next section, plan of discipline. Andrew will attend such and such community group and will meet with so-and-so on a regular basis. Andrew will not be involved in serving at Mars Hill. Andrew will not pursue or date any woman inside or outside of Mars Hill. Andrew will write out in detail his sexual and emotional attachment history with women and share it with so-and-so. That's fucked. Andrew will write out in detail the chronology of events and sexual slash emotional sin with his fiance and share it with these certain people. Andrew will write out a list of all the people he has sinned against during this time frame, either by sexual emotional sin, lying or deceiving and share it with so-and-so and develop a plan to confess sin and ask for forgiveness. So that was a contract he was supposed to sign. That's 
fucked. Isn't that fucking fucked up? Sick. So this is when he's, and this was after like weeks of him, or at least a week, I'm sorry, that I know for sure, of him saying, I'm really sorry, I want to make this right. And so this is what what they drew up. And so he was starting to feel pretty weird about this. And um, yeah. after a few days, he decided not to sign the contract. And so he told his leader, and the leader said, um, well, the leader kind of flipped out and sent him this big letter that says I want you to know that if you do not sign the contract you're going to be leaving Mars Hill and so he never he never responded and um, he goes he said toward the end their desire to control me felt sort of out of control it's like they believe that they have some sort of power over me so then he got a call from the from a pastor there not Mark Driscoll but one of the lower pastors and he told him that um, his church discipline would be escalated and he's like what does that mean but the guy wouldn't tell him and his friend said um the church sent out a letter about you and he goes what letter i've never seen it and so it was this big letter that was put on the mars hill website that people who were members could log into and uh -huh. andrew had been blocked out of it like they'd taken away his access and his friend like he's like i'm not supposed to show this to you but they print out for him and here's just like the juiciest part of the letter oh. they go um, <clears throat> Andrew needs to understand that the church, including you, is unified in God's discipline process, as led by the church elders. During this difficult time, please elevate Jesus and the cross, not Andrew and your relationship with him. The following addresses what it looks like to practically associate with someone who is being excommunicated from the church. <gasps> what is permissible? Pray for Andrew and ask the Lord to bring him to repentance. Associate with Andrew only for the purpose of admonishment and restoration. What is not permissible? Refrain from associating with Andrew in social settings such as eating a meal, attending a concert or movie together. And then they list like five verse references. Such disassociation from Christian community is designed by God to help him realize the seriousness of his sin and need for repentance. You may interact with Andrew, but in a manner that calls and encourages him to repent and be restored in the church, not pretend everything is okay or normal in the midst of his rebellious and unrepentant posture towards God and the church. Practical examples. Andrew calls you to see if you want to hang out. You say, I appreciate the invitation, but there's a problem. You are under church discipline and you have not repented for what you have done. I would like to get together, though, to talk about your situation in the light of the gospel. For example, if you see Andrew at a local hangout spot and he asks if he can join you, you respond, Andrew, I would enjoy time with you, but I can't because you're under church discipline. You can join me if we can talk about your refusal to listen to God and the church. You run into him and ask, Andrew, are, Andrew, how are things? He replies, not so good. I don't trust the leadership and they have been very heavy handed and hard on me. I feel I prayed about leaving the church. You respond, Andrew, I'm sorry you feel that way, but you're not seeing things rightly. I agree with the elders decision regarding you because I see how they are acting in accordance to the scriptures. They love you and I love you. And we pray the Lord will grant you repentance so we can be family once again. But until then, we can't pretend nothing is wrong. Oh, that is so fucked. So I left so out all the editorializing, but those are just the two verbatim things that yeah. were sent out. And um, I'll so link robotic. on the website the full story. So robotic. And, you know, I can see growing up in an environment similar to this, I can see how you'd be like, yeah, I guess they're doing the right thing. And so people just get sucked in. But it's and Jeff Breakfast today wrote a giant parody <laughs> of, of the discipline nice. letter. Same things like you will list all of your sins except for the non-sexual ones that all are right. all forgiven but list out all the sexual ones in lurid detail for you to discuss with a member of male elders in a dimly lit room <laughs> <And all this laughs> dimly stuff. lit room I know and so 
right before we started recording, David was checking his Twitter, and this guy, Andrew, was saying, oh my gosh, um, my brother told me about this, and I was the guy in it, and um, so anyway, hopefully we can maybe get a hold of him, I don't know, he's yeah. probably shell-shocked by all the I attention, think he would, but... Yeah, I think you could be very beneficial uh, I hope so. for him at this time. Um, when you said that about Jeff Breakfast parody, um, mm-hmm. it reminded me of a friend of mine. Uh, this is like ten years ago. She um, she was dating a guy and everything was going well. But anyway, she ended up getting pregnant, and um, but you know they were into each other, so they they got engaged. But she's Catholic, so they're doing all this you know pre-marriage counseling stuff. I guess that these people yeah. do. I don't understand it, but they're doing that. And the priest asked in explicit detail what they had done sexually. And she's already pregnant, so clearly oh she's had word. sex. But she, she told me all the stuff. He was asking, like, have you had oral sex? And <gasps> have you done this? He was asking very specifically what they had done. It was so yeah, that's not fucking okay. sick. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, when Jeff Breakfast says it, it's like, ha, 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 that's quite an exaggeration. <laughs> well, actually, it's not. <laughs> yep, exactly. God, but that whole... That whole Mars Hill thing is so terrifying because it's just such a and you can you can just sort of sense everybody going along. Who would go along with it? Nobody with a with a free spirit and free functioning brain would go along with that. So. And one of my good friends who who was involved with it for four years and then she had it was hard for her to see it, but she eventually came out of it and now uh-huh. she's saying since the story broke, everyone is posting all this stuff. My friends who are still sympathetic to Mars Hill, they're being really defensive of Mars Hill and Pastor Mark. About wow. this story. I know. God, what a bummer. Yeah. We just hope something like that will help snap. Well, it'll probably help some people, so that will be good. So tell me about Miley Cyrus's birthday cake. I'll tell you about Miley. <laughs> it's not her birthday cake. It's uh, her oh. boyfriend's birthday cake. But anyway, it was a big black cock. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wasn't expecting that. I didn't think you were. I was, again, really worried that you would just end up seeing this in your day-to-day business. But, yeah, it's a big black cock, and there are all these pictures of her pretending to fillet it. So Really? Yeah. (laughs) She's, like, got her mouth open, like, as if her penis is in her mouth, and there's another one with her tongue out pointed at it. And, yeah, and another one where she just looks like she's going to bite it. And there's also a big bite taken out of the tip. So, it, but it's, in one of the pictures, it just looks like a sore on the end. So, oh. <laughs> it looks like a big black cock with herpes. <laughs> Probably a little bit realistic. Yeah, so we'll put so that up on the website. <laughs> when you were saying that, that reminded me of the office, the UK office, where the, they kept telling the joke about, is it the bigger than the bread cock. box? <laughs> Good joke about a black man's cock. <laughs> they just say black man's cock so many times in that episode. I, know, I love it. Really cock. They just like cock like crazy in that episode. And then when he's like, and then when David Brent's reprimanded by his boss, he's like, well, because he keeps insisting that there's nothing wrong with it because it's a compliment. And she's like, but what you're saying is that all that black men have accomplished is the size of their genitalia. <laughs> I remember that first night we met, um, you and Tommy were asking me, you're like, what is it that you do? And I was trying to explain it. And I go, and I'm boring myself just talking about it. <laughs> and you go, Tim from the office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such a great and perfect line. I know, right? <laughs> it's so true, too. I'm like, oh, it I is. don't have to talk about this. <laughs> 
Well, I think the black cock cake was a definite, uh, definitely a nice uh, deviation from the Mars Hill drama. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. My birthday's coming up too, so. Oh, yes. That's going to be jolly good times. Black cock from cake. Black cock cake. Black cock cake. Black cock cake. You've already got the straws. <laughs> now you need the black cock cake. Set. What are you going to do when the kids, even if it's all cut up and the kids want a slice of your cake that was once a cock, who'd you give it to them? Sure. <laughs> if they couldn't see what, what shape it was. <laughs> Amazing. Uh-huh. Well, on that note, I guess we'll wrap things up. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can follow Dongtini on Twitter now, twitter.com slash Dongtini. And also go to the uh, website for any supplementary material at dongtini.com. So uh, until next time, bye, Stephanie. Bye, Simone. Freedom.